0: city homers episode 34 we are recording this as texas tech plays abilene christian as of on my feed, anyways right now the the third inning just ended so you'll be getting sporadic updates most likely as we go maybe some general observations on this game but the bulk of the episode is going to be split three ways and that's going to be between basketball there's been some news on the trail um and some new targets to focus on Football, we're going to take a look at the spring game, some high level observations, and especially focusing on what we learned about the quarterbacks. Um, only half the game was broadcasted, none of us live in Lubbock, so these are going to be based on the first half observations. Um, and then, last, we will close out with recapping the West Virginia series and looking ahead for baseball. Tonight's not going particularly great right now, it is seven to three, but we'll be talking about what we learned from West Virginia momentum carrying forward and still some of the glaring problems that could hold this team back as we head into the next big Twelve series. So we're going to start us off on the basketball front though. And like I said, we're talking recruiting. Um, I do want to mention the big staffing news was coach Perry's exit. Reason why we're not really talking that much about that is one, there have not currently been any big name targets identified yet. And two, I don't want to speculate on the reason he left. Um, I don't think it it or I should say it goes about saying that it is a bit odd that he took a demotion, you know, he de- took a lower paying, worse job. Um, and that after a successful first season, so you do wonder what was going on between him and Coach Adams. But speculation like that, but from us who aren't plugged into the program and would be reciting secondhand rumors, isn't that worthwhile to y'all? So, we're going to focus on the recruiting aspect of basketball, which is worthwhile to y'all, and that's talking about the kind of dud of a recruiting week Tech has had and where do they go from there and who they're targeting. And I'm gonna start that off with Kendall. Kendall, last week, you know, there were eyeball emojis everywhere. First it was we're gonna get two and then it's one guy and then it's one off the radar guy. And then uh, it's it's any number of people were you know being thrown around as potential targets. It turns out it's none of them. Kevin O'Banner will return to Texas Tech. That was the big news and the only big news of the week. Um, with the targets that Tech missed on being Davis, Nigel Pack, who I don't even really think Tech was mentioned for, Key, who is a, c- a critical Tech target, and now um, the forward at Arkansas State. Where does Tech go from here? Who should they be looking at? And how do you feel about the roster?
1: Uh, I'm not too worried at all about this last week. I mean, I'm a little disappointed from a sense that, you know, I'm more upset of like just kind of a lot of people within the fan base that really hyped up this last week more than really any of the actual insiders. Like, yes, they hinted at some possible news, but most of them weren't getting like absolutely carried away. And I do think that maybe like everyone saw uh, Davion Harmon just um, enter the portal and he's been a name that's been floating around for uh, probably about a week or so now that could be transferring to tech out of nowhere. But you know, other than that, you know, Tech did miss on, you know, the guys you mentioned. But uh, I really don't like it would have been nice to have a lot of those guys. But where Tech's roster is sitting at right now, um, believe it or not, I think it's kind of I'm not going to say difficult, but there's a lot of especially the guards out there that we've kind of missed on. Look at our roster right now. And it is kind i mean at the guard spot you're really gonna be it's gonna be a huge fight for playing time uh because not only do you have guys that are returning like uh malik post nobody knows anything about Frenchie right now there's rumors that you know he could leave but uh nobody really knows with him uh you could have i think there's a very decent chance that kevin mcculler comes back um coming in you have pop isaac's uh you have Lamar Washington, Jalen Tyson is definitely gonna be playing both kind of like a guard and wing role. Um, so a lot of these guards that tech is missing out on, people have to remember, are we're not sitting here in no man's land. Like we don't have just like shit kind of stacked up. Like it's not like we have bad players. We have fantastic players that have now been in this program for a couple years and really just there's a lot of competition and look at some of these other schools that these guys are going to like Tennessee is going to lose a lot of guard talent and that's who we lost key to. Um, you know, the stuff with Miami, I mean, <laughs> I, you can't do anything about that. Like it's one thing, you know, if you're getting out recruited by another program's coach, but with all due respect to Jim Laranega, he won two recruiting battles this week without even probably having to say a word to a recruit like that. You can't do much about that. And there's still a lot of guys out there that tech is in the running for too. We have three open roster spots as of now, but you know, you're still waiting Kevin McCuller's decision. You're still awaiting, uh, Claris Nadolny and what he decides to do. Um, you know, Fardoz Amac is on a uh, visit today. So that is, uh, that's a really big guy that if you get him, To me, if you look at next year's roster and add him, to me, you have the most similar roster buildup to this past year's team because it hasn't been talked about really by many people within Tech, but um, the guy that they just got, what was it, last week, from Gardner-Webb, Damarian Williams, that dude is, after watching his film, like, I don't necessarily see a situation that he's not one of the our biggest impact players. He's got a lot of like a dot He looks very similar to Adonis arms when it comes to just about all his intangibles, except I think he might be a little bit better of a shooter and not as great of a playmaker, but uh, from just a standpoint of this past week, getting Kevin O'Banner back is huge. Um, O'Banner, you know, we saw a lot of flashes this year of what he could be, you know, where he would go on 10 O scoring runs on his own. Uh, he'd get hot from deep, but you know, there was just no consistency from him. And I think this second year within the program, you're going to see a lot more consistency. And I think that a big example of that is Marcus Santos Silva. You know, I think O'Banner, if he takes the type of jump that uh, Marcus did this past year, Obaer oh, is going to be one of the best players in the conference. Like people got to remember that this dude at his best at all Roberts was, you know, putting up 30 sometimes close to 40 point games and you know, he's only going to get better this year because he's finally got a full year of Big 12 basketball under his belt. Um really at this point, he's just going to be out there going and playing hard and because he doesn't have much to prove, like it's his last year no matter what. So you know he's just going to go put his all out there. And Kevin O'Banner, when he's working his hardest down low, there's not too many people that are going to out-rebound him down there. So, you know, I've seen a lot of different reactions of people kind of being concerned with Adams losing some recruiting battles, you know, uh, this past week. But I I just don't see a whole lot of reason to be, you know, too concerned right now. Ah, uh, these guys that we have, people need to realize pop Isaac's a f- is a four star borderline five star point guard coming in. And you know, it's not our usual talent changeover. Like we're used to, you know, a lot of big name portal guys. and now that we're missing, a lot of tech fans are kind of questioning like what's going on. But in reality, this is our best recruiting class since that Jemias Ramsey class. And that to me, I mean, outside of Jemias and TJ, like that was, that year was a bust and like really this team is so much different. We are going to be younger than we really have been in the past, you know, in this run since we've made our first elite eight, but um. That's just college basketball. You're gonna have some years where you're young, some years where you're older. Uh, and Mike, you've said it a couple times, you know, it is concerning with some of these portal losses. Uh, you know, it's somewhat frustrating that we're missing out on guys due to people outbidding us and outpaying us. But at the end of the day, this this roster buildup is still perfect for tech and um, I guess I, I'm just curious as to how the roster does fill out. Cause if the rumors are true and Davion Harmon does end up coming to tech, um, really you have t- probably two scholarship spots left. And I don't know if that's including, uh, Nadoni and McCuller in there, but if it's not, I mean, you still have those two to decide if they're going to come back. Plus Fardaz and AMAC. So, um... There's still a lot of time in this offseason that we're going to see probably a few more roster shakeups, possibly some moves within the staff, but uh, just don't panic. This is uh, just a normal time of the year for tech basketball, and I fully expect this team to be, you know, final four good again next year until they prove me otherwise.
0: Yeah, I mean it, it's it's unfortunate, but in the NIL era, you're gonna have a lot of what um, you know. You're gonna have a lot of what happened At, with Miami. Miami is attempting to use one of its bagmen to buy um, a basketball team, and th- there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. At least now this stuff is happening above the table, uh, but it, it's become a lot more transparent, right? And this guy in particular rubbed I think a lot of people the wrong way because he was pre-announcing what was happening. For his stupid medical brand, he's dropping, like, you know, nearly $1.5 million on kids to, to represent his brand, quote-unquote. I mean, this isn't what anybody intended NIL to be. But at the same time, I, I can't be that mad if we're putting this money into the hand of the athletes above the table. So, you know, it's disappointing. Um, I, I just think it's funny to go to a basketball team like Miami, who even with this stuff probably is not going to be, you know, may not even be top three in the ACC. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to speak Ill of people's decisions, but if you chase the money, you sacrifice coaching and wins, there may, be, may or may not be consequences to that. We'll find out. But, yeah, uh, Tech is going to continue its pursuit of top-rated portal guys as they come and go. Um, you know, we're, there's obviously a lot of movement left to be done. Um, there's a lot of guys out there with some star power. You're, you're, you don't know. No one knows what the conversations are like between Mark Adams and his players who are considering coming back. So we don't even really know how many scholarships Tech is playing with. So it's, it's tough to say what the final roster picture will look like, but I can't be mad about the sum of you know, the, the hole when it's still on so undecided It is disappointing to lose out on some of these guys. It's disappointing to get outbid. It's disappointing to see that, you know, this year is going to be a year where tech probably doesn't land a top rated big name transfer. Um, Maybe Harmon out of Oregon uh, would be, would be close to that category, but you know, last year it was Kevin O'Banner and KJ Allen, you know, guys with real flash and, some, some style points around them. And, you know, that was exciting and great and all that, but you're also not in the same position you are, uh, you were after Chris Beard left, you know, you don't have to completely rebuild your roster. There's talent coming back. There's talent. I think Kevin McCullers back. I've heard the rumors about Naldoni. If he did go, I feel like he's going to, he it's because he really is just looking for playing time at this point in his career. He's been at tech for a while and never really cracked the rotation for significant stretches um, right, runner, indifferent. He's just not a scoring guard. He he just does not shoot the ball well. So I'll be curious to see what he ends up doing. But you know, it, it'll be what it'll be. I I think that you have enough talent. That you have the guards. Uh, I I think you know you've got a certain forward at the baseball game right now. By the way, and he's there, and that that's a critical target that Tech is hoping to pull in to to add to its its stable. Um, and I think if if you get him and you end up with Harmon as well that's two guys who are highly rated transfers, highly touted transfers in their own right. And they that that's enough for me. And we'll see what happens with everybody else. Um, you know, we're happy to see Kevin O'Banner back, but I do think it is hysterical how wrong the, 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 the buzz was last week. You know, there are a lot of guys in the tech recruitment community I respect a lot. I think they're great resources and you should absolutely, if you're into paying for sports, there's any number of those sources that are great for it. I don't fault any of them. I just think it's, you know, it, it ha- I, I don't know who tells these guys what. I'm not involved in that world. I actually hate recruiting. I hate it in football, and I hate it in basketball. Uh, I hate it in baseball, too, to be clear here. I just hate the, the entire concept of recruiting. So I don't know what these guys are told, what they consider sources, but somebody fed some serious misdirection and misinformation, or somebody got outbid late in the game because there were a lot of people who thought a lot was coming together last week, and it did not materialize at all. And uh, I think a lot of that probably came down to NIL and money. So, you know, who knows? But I, I think that was pretty funny to watch. It's just we were so excited. And then I, I, I mean no disrespect to Kevin O'Banner, but I think most people thought he was coming back anyways. So it was kind of a dud of a week. But I, I, I don't think anybody goes into panic mode unless you get to the year and you're, you really did just strike out on everybody. But I don't see that happening. I think you're going to pick up a couple of prospects people should be pumped about. I think you've got talent coming in. you got talent on the board. Um, we're going to shift now to the spring game because I want to spend a lot of time on baseball, but the spring game, is going to eat up some clock. So Jack, I'm going to open this one up for you. And I just, I I want to give you the first question on everybody's mind is, what do you think of how the quarterbacks performed in the spring game? Who helped themselves? Did anybody hurt themselves? How's that competition shaking out after a, the first spring of the Maguire era? Uh,
2: I think, I think Tyler Shuck really kind of hurt himself uh, on Saturday. It was a little bit of a, just, kind of a blah performance in my mind. Uh, you know, it, it was very just lackluster. Didn't really impress me much at all. Uh, Baron Morton, on the other hand, really shined. Uh, you know, he had, I at times, I think the third string offense, and they seemed to be moving the ball pretty well up and down the field for the most part of his day. Um, kind of unchanged to me would be Donovan Smith. Uh, you know, Donovan Smith, really did well in his time filling in towards the end of last season. But it's just kind of a wash for me. Uh, and now I don't know about YouTube, but uh, it was just a bit of a wash for me uh, for Donovan Smith. Um, I think the one the one thing that Shuck did good, I don't know if y'all remember this, in the first quarter, um, he had kind of a tough throw over the linebackers but under the safeties. and I think he hit Taj Brooks. Uh, on the numbers, and that was a pretty impressive throw uh, to get in there. But like I said, that that was really the only point that stood out for me, uh, for Shuck. Um, I think, if anything, what I walked away with uh, from the game on Saturday in terms of quarterbacks was that this is still very much a three-quarterback race, and um, no one really is standing head and shoulders above, not even really head above anymore, Uh, as, as far as i'm concerned at this point just just going off of the spring game obviously we don't know what happens uh behind closed doors in practice and whatnot but i think that as far as quarterbacks are concerned if i had to go just solely based on the spring game i think it's very much an open race uh to see who gets that qb1 start uh in early september
0: yeah, I think, I, think I, I kind of came away with similar conclusions. I will say one thing about any spring competition is unless somebody is just head and shoulders ahead, which, you know, after a new coaching change with with, with the candidates we've got did not seem like it was likely going to happen. After the spring game, I, I'm confident in saying that nobody is. You're just not going to learn who the starter is. Um, you know, we'll, we'll start getting, hearing rumbling rumbling. And fall camp about who's pulling away. But even then, I am almost certain Tech will go into week one with a, you know, one, two, three, or one, two listed on the depth chart. You know, we're, n- we're not going to have a guy by game one. I-, I-, I feel pretty confident saying that. My observations I didn't think, uh, again, only the first half was broadcasted and not. So I don't know what happened in the second half and maybe this changed, but I thought Donovan Smith was not given much of a chance. I don't know what that says about, you know, his abilities or what the staff is thinking. He he was one, he, when he did get to throw the ball, he actually got sacked, I believe, one of the few times I see him get to do a true drop back. He, he turned around and handed the ball off a lot. He was put in some bad situations by the offense before him. So I don't think he got a fair shake at the competition. Um, I, I think he's still the, large, the the biggest unknown out of the group. You don't know what his accuracy is going to be like long-term, and you don't know his consistency. I think Shuck hurt himself. I think I think Shuck had a chance to cement himself as the front runner in the job, and frankly, he looked pretty bad um, for a lot of the scrimmage. He threw some great balls. Look, I want to be clear here. Tyler Shuck is the most talented roster on the quarterback. Uh, or quarterback on the roster, excuse me. He, he, he's the only guy who I would say with confidence that the only thing he's missing are like a couple of details about the finer art of being a quarterback. And he'd be a stud because he's got the arm and he, he, he can put the ball where he wants to go, but he does a couple of things that drive me up a wall. First and foremost, he, that first interception, he stares down the receivers and holds the ball. He's slow as molasses on his releases, and that burned him twice. On both interceptions, If he gets the ball out a little faster, a little quicker on, the, on a hop. It's probably not picked off either time. And the second thing that drives me nuts that he does is he is he, inconsistent with his decision-making. I think there were instances which he could have gone downfield and checked it down, and I think he shouldn't have gone downfield on a couple throws, and he should have checked it down. For instance, he had a uh, there was a play that stands out to me, he had a running back releasing upfield, guy's wide open, there's nobody near him, and he misses him by a mile because he panics. And this is the kind of, he's just not consistent. He, it, it's a mental thing, I think, with him. He overthinks things, he tries to overthrow. He's the guy I thought was going to pull away, and he didn't. I think Morton did himself the biggest favor. Um, I think a lot of people came in, not sure if Baron Morton was ever going to see, you know, playing time at Texas tech with all these guys on the roster. And I think Morton put himself firmly in that conversation, frankly, I'm not as impressed as some people are with him. Um, there's a lot of this, well, he just kind of makes the offense go. He didn't play against the one defense that much. If I recall correctly, he spent most of the day playing against the twos and the threes. Um, and a lot of this game was just handoffs. There was not, I think, we'll talk about this here in a minute, but there was not much of the vertical passing game thrown. His one long ball that we got to see, I think he threw to the wrong guy. I think he underthrew the ball and it lent to the other receiver. So I, I'm not as impressed as some people with him. But I think that if, if, and if even though I think he still got a lot to learn, even though I'm not sure he's as good as people are hoping he is, I, I, I believe truly that he was on the outside looking in until the spring game. And now he's kind of right there with the other guys and the competition will reset in the fall and they'll be back to battle. You know, I think that we have true three equals. I think that, you know, that that's, you have the depth you've always wanted at quarterback and with Tech's history of quarterbacks of late, it's probably a good thing, but I I don't think anybody took the job. Um, Kendall, what, what are your observations? I'll shift the question a little bit since Jack and I cover quarterbacks pretty thoroughly, just general observations over the spring game over the things you saw from the program all spring, um, you know what what on a high level are your thoughts about where football as a program is?
1: Uh, I think that it's hard not to say we're moving in the uh, right direction like I mean, between the recruiting and even this year's team, like nobody knew what coach McGuire was gonna have going in, but he managed to get some important transfers uh, up on the offensive line which uh, you know they they had their moments definitely. For the limited time we saw, I think that the offensive line they definitely had some good moments, and uh, they had they had a couple slip ups, but that comes with new offensive linemen and just a kind of a new reworked offensive line. But uh, there was some worrying things that I saw that you know I've been we've really been worried about it since last year. But you know wide receivers uh, last year we talked about who was going to step up behind Azukamo. Well. This year, it's going to be who's going to step up, period. Because, you know, there were some receivers that were getting separation. But, you know, I felt that really um, some of the quarter, especially like with the first team, what I felt was um, they just weren't getting as much separation. And uh, it was making life a little more difficult for Shuck and just the quarterbacks in general. But uh really other than that defensively i think they you know as much as you know as much as shuck was really kind of um giving away some of his passes and that first pick six was terrible but um looking at the other side of it the defense with how much we got returning looked pretty damn good uh you know they they disrupted a lot of plays they uh they look different to me. I, I know that last game against Mississippi State, our defense, that just they were just straight-up dogs. But, you know, if we can get that consistently, and I think that that's what Coach McGuire is going to bring, I think that energy, that mentality, uh, I just think that this team is going to be a lot more defensive-oriented than we realize. Because uh, that's just kind of what I get from Coach McGuire, you know, that's what you get with just like kind of those types of coaches. I think that defensively um, they really want to focus on defense tech staffs, like the last, basically the last two, um, I really think we haven't had a coach that really cared about defense. It, I mean, at least since I've started watching, but, um, but especially as of late, you know, the last two coaching staffs to me, they go out there, they went out there, and a lot of the times they just seemed fine with rolling over and play dead. But, you know, starting with the bowl game last year, uh, I think it's pretty obvious that that is going to be the complete opposite. You know, people are done walking on Texas Tech's defense. We have dudes, especially in the secondary, all the guys that came back. But, um, and another really bright spot, and, you know, we've been harping on this since last year at the running back room. I want people to go out there and without naming teams like Bama or Clemson or Georgia and find me two more talented and bigger playmaking running backs in one backfield than Sir Roderick Thompson and Taj Brooks, because those two, and I've been a huge Sir Roderick Thompson guy uh, ever since he got to tech out uh, the dude when he's healthy, uh, I have not seen too many running backs. You know, he's not the fastest guy, but I haven't seen too many guys that can make dudes miss like Sir Roderick Thompson does. And, um, this game, this team's going to be really, I think more run oriented too, than, uh, people expect, you know, we have a uh, Kitley coming in and everyone's expecting just this rapid fire, you know, 50 throws a game, which we probably will get that. But I genuinely think a good 10 to 15 of those throws are going to be to our running backs coming out of the backfield, even on just short dump offs and stuff. Cause we have our two most talented players on offense are probably those two guys. So, um, just overall the spring game, like you guys said, you don't, you, especially one half of a spring game, we didn't learn that much, but there's just so, so much to look forward to with this program. Cause especially with the new Big 12, like that hasn't even really been mentioned. Uh, I don't think too many people realize how important this 2023 class is going to be because with the new Big 12 commissioner, I can't imagine that the uh, Texas OU process isn't going to be a little um, sped up once we get a new commissioner because I can't imagine that the new commissioner is going to want to keep them in. So I think getting this new class, especially 2023, getting that class in there, this program is looking really good for when that new big 12 starts. And I think that we're going to be competing at the highest level. Uh, when it comes to the big 12, I think we are going to be right up there for big 12 championships here in two, three years. All right,
0: Jack, this is a question. I also want to ask you and I'm going to rephrase just a little bit to, to take a little bit more from Kendall's point. Um, Let's talk about specifically the new systems you saw from Tim DeRuiter and Zach Kitley. I, I don't think we know we saw the totality of either system and what they're going to do. But what is your first impressions over the new systems on the offensive defensive side of the ball? Uh,
2: I'll kind of lean towards the defensive side. Uh, I know that in previous stops, Tim DeRuiter has been really, really well known for uh, his defensive units being able to take away the ball. Uh, it's been big when he was at Texas A&M for a little bit, and it was big when he was at Oregon as well. So, uh, I can only anticipate pretty much the same philosophy coming here to Lubbock. I, I, I was really, uh, just in what we did see. Uh, I felt like the defense really played well. Granted, uh, you're going against an offense that has had the plays for about two months, uh, or really been working on the plays for two months. Roughly, so it hadn't hadn't been a real, you know, full game or anything like with with what we saw. But I think that the defense will be stout. It's probably going to be a lot more stout than we've seen in recent years. Um, even with some of the, even with you know some of the big names leaving um, due to graduation, you know, like Rico Jeffers and Colin Schooler. Um, I think I think uh, just looking ahead, one name that I would focus on big time would be Krishan Merriweather. Krishan Merriweather is a grown man, is a straight-up grown man. Uh, he's a huge dude, and uh, I think he could really shine in the defense. Um, as, as far as the offense goes, just real quickly, what I noticed, um, it was very obvious that they were running about – like we've mentioned already about 10 to 15% of the playbook. Um, I think that once these guys are in the system for a little bit longer, I definitely think that playbook opens up and then you start seeing like Kendall mentioned, sometimes the run and gun, you know, 50 throws a game uh, stats, but I don't think that happens for at least the first half of the season, if we're being honest. Uh, even though they'll have all fall workouts and you know, the first half of the season to really work on it, I still don't think you really get a full, um, you don't get a full open playbook, you know, until you know, I don't know if we get it this year, uh, but if we do, at the closest thing to it will probably be in the last game of the season, whether that be, um, a bowl game or whether it be the end of the regular season. um, I think that's probably the closest you'll see to a fully functioning Zach Kitley offense. And uh, I mean, like I said, basically it was obvious that there was work that still needed to be done on both sides, but uh, the defense, I was really impressed with from from what we were able to take away from it.
0: Yeah. When you look at the offense, uh, we talked about this, now a few times but you know and i i actually tweeted a thought along these lines but you only saw whatever percentage of the the system i don't think he showed i don't think kitley called almost any of the vertical passing game i don't think he called most of his underneath passing game actually i was surprised by what we did see um he showed a lot more action than i thought he was going to he threw what i what i refer to as junk plays out there a lot more than i thought these are your your Mr. x your screens, your uh, swing passes. In fact, I saw one that absolutely is set up as a wide receiver pass. In fact, you can see it was sometime I think at the first quarter, the, the guy almost hesitate and pull up and, and chuck it downfield. So I think I was surprised what we did saw. There were some really convoluted screens that went down. Some fullback out of the flat, some tight end action, and th- that kind of stuff is interesting to see and I think he does that for to, without revealing much of the vertical passing game because when you run systems like Kitley, these aren't super developed route trees. What I mean by that is it's not like he's going to be calling a, a crap ton of like really complex different routes. He's going to run his guys to space. So what you do to differentiate and help out your run game and supplement the office, offense is some of these. And these are harder to get right. It, it just They are. Screens are more difficult to get right. They have to be blocked up very specifically. So he was choosing to focus on that which I thought was interesting. I thought you saw, you know, the tight ends are going to play a big brawl hole in the offense going forward. I think you see an offensive line that is definitely more orientated to running the ball. I don't know how he's going to handle that in the system. He sure handed a lot, the ball off a lot in the spring game, but, you know, obviously some of that's to protect um, the, the rest of the offense from getting on film. As for what Tim DeRuiter did, I thought one thing I thought was a lot better was, you know, our biggest com- complaint about Keith Patterson's defense was it was almost passive. He didn't prioritize pass rush in a lot of situations. He sat back. He he tried to keep everything in front of them. The defense looked a lot more aggressive when whatever offensive unit it was up against, they were coming after him. I mean, they they were one flying to the ball, and I will say the thing I actually tweeted is it, it takes longer to get an offense together. So the defense looked better in the spring game for a reason. It's a lot harder to build an offense than it is to build a defense. But I saw when they were coming after these guys, it wasn't just that they were winning a one-on-one and doing the things I kind of expect from a defense facing a new offense. They were, there were a lot of, they were playing a lot of games on the defensive line. You saw a ton of twists. Get, they blitzed and twisted on al- almost all obvious passing situations. They were, did a great job. Um, they did a great job standing up in critical situations obviously the takeaways are great i don't put a lot of stock in that yet cuz you can't really scheme turnovers but i think that the biggest thing you saw from this defense was it's not going to be the, the the drop eight that we saw a lot from patterson i think he's going to put his faith in his secondary to stand up i think his secondary's got some guys that can do it and he's going to play some games on the defensive line He's going to slant he's going to help them My biggest complaint with Patterson was he just didn't help the pass rush. He asked his guys to beat people one-on-one, and we didn't have the dudes for it. We just didn't have the dudes for it. Now you've got some really good pass rushers, one, and you're going to combine that with a system that's designed to help them a bit more. So that's what I'm most impressed by. We'll learn more about – I think you learn more about a defense in spring because there's less worry about, oh, or, or whatever. The trends don't develop without tons of film. So he's not that concerned about his system being on air. We'll learn a lot more about what Kitley wants to do after Murray State. So the, the, my, my last thought before we move to baseball is just don't put too much stock in anything that happens in a sprint game. These games promote the program. They give you when it's a new coach. I, I actually was, I guess, unfortunate, unfortunately, maybe fortunately, depending on your definition. I was in high school when there was a coaching change at a Texas 6A program. And I remember that first spring and it's weird when the system changes, we changed more drastically than i think tech is we changed at the time from a, a true pro style hand the ball off i formation offense to a true spread so that was huge culture shock but when these programs turn over i what i remember most from that spring is the coach has to sell himself to the guys who are there in high school it's different you can't really go anywhere in college they have a choice those practices i guarantee you were less focused on technique those practices were a lot less focused on um being perfect and more just Learning, growing as a unit, figuring out who can do what, getting the staff in people's ears, getting people used to being coached hard again. And, you know, it's just if, if any of you have played high school football, I'm assuming a sizable chunk of our audience has some experience in, in, with spring football. Um, you guys all know what I'm talking about. It's just a different world. You know, like even if, for those of you who are true division one players, I'm sure you can confirm this spring practices are just different than fall practices. It's a completely different ball game. So you don't learn much in the spring. you have fun, you, they, you get some tips and hints about where the, the, the direction of the systems are going. That's about it. So I don't put too much stock into it, but I would say it was a success. I'm glad it was on TV. I, I was pissed when Cumbie wanted uh, the, the the spring game hit in last year. I think that's Bush League. So I'm great I'm very grateful that McGuire listened to the fans and is trying to engage like he is. But we're going to shift now to baseball, and that'll be the close of our show. And I'm going to go to Jack first with this question. And we're going to look at the West Virginia series first. And we're going to start with the good news, because I think that we're going to talk a lot about the bad. In fact, we may not even get much to a preview. There's a, We got a, a, a hard conversation coming up. If Jack's tweets were any indication, you guys probably know what's coming. Jack, let's look at the West Virginia series on the positive side, though. What were your takeaways from games one and two, the victories and the series win?
2: Man, how 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 fun were those was that doubleheader on Saturday to watch? That that pitching, I don't know if I've seen pitching like that in a long time, uh, from from the tech side, from back to back starts, definitely. Um, you know, it's a it's a great day when you get two complete games from your starters that have been just dominating for a lot for a long time and or for most of this season, I should say. And, uh, you know, I was I was really impressed with most I was impressed with Birdsell and, you know, he got Big 12 co-pitcher of the week or whatever. I think I was more impressed with Andrew Morris specifically because that inning. I think it was the second inning in that game where Tech had three errors in one inning and he kind of just flushed the inning and just kept right on going. He didn't he didn't panic. He didn't freak out. He didn't start just laying pitches up there and just attacking in in large parts of the zone. Um, he didn't walk a whole lot of people, uh, and he really didn't strike out that many people. He, what he did, he pitched to the zone, he let the guys hit, and he let his defenders defend, even after committing errors in that inning. Uh, so that, that really impressed me a lot. Obviously, Birdsell... We've known for a long time how good Brandon Birdsell is, uh, so this is nothing new to tech fans. Uh, Brandon Birdsell was great last year, and the only reason he didn't go a lot higher in the draft was due to injury. Um, you know, I think this year he's gotten even better. And when we when we talked about this last year, we didn't know if you know he would go or if he would stay. But God, I'm I'm very thankful that he stayed. Um, you know, uh, other things that I noticed, not just the pitching, uh, you know, Kurt Wilson having a Homer in each game, uh, Stillwell had three RBIs and one, uh, in the, pro- in the second game. Uh, so the bats were hot. The bats were there. Um, seven runs in the first 12 in the second. You can't ask for much more than that. And when you're pitching pitches like it should, uh, like we've talked about all year, you know, if you score over six or seven runs, you, you should win the ball game. Uh, and that's for any team, not just tech. And so uh, they did that. And that was very encouraging to see that the bats were there. Um, after kind of going silent against TCU in the prior big 12 series, but basically, to get off the losing streak also was a huge, was a huge thing, huge positive. I'm just glad that happened. And, you know, uh, those were my positives. Kendall, I'm going to let you go to that question
0: as well, because the next conversation is going to be a lot less fun and I'll start us off with that one. But Kendall, what, when you looked over the weekend, you know, what, what reason for optimism after a critical must win series did you did you take away?
1: Well, I think you kind of just said it um must win. Like that was very critical going into the series. We talked about it last week, like we said that you know, a sweep was like it wasn't necessary, but it would have been very nice. But just getting the win in In this series, what to kind of try to get back on track. I mean, doesn't look like it necessarily helped the way this game's going, but you know, to theoretically get back on track um, going into kind of like, you know, almost um, the final leg of your season to kind of make a good push to, you know, I don't know where hosting is as far as, you know, how realistic it is, but you know, to try to at least finish still in the top half of the Big 12 and possibly, you know, you're probably not competing for a Big 12 championship, but um, still finishing right there would have been nice. And it's still a possibility, but um, just getting the series win was probably the biggest positive that can come out of that whole weekend was just um, – because – you know, you didn't know how it was really going to go, um, you know, after that first game. But really just baseball is so it's a game of margins. And like it's so easily can momentum be flipped from game to game. And I think just, you know, seeing that you can win a series still because for a little bit there, you know, during that losing streak, it didn't even seem like we could win a game even against the worst team in baseball. Like it, And that's what baseball is. So, you know, even though West Virginia still isn't, you know, the top-tier opponent, just getting the win at the end of the day. But, um, yeah, I mean, Jack basically covered everything else, though. So I'm just going to say win, and hopefully we can kind of build off of that series win and you know finish the season at least on somewhat positive note going into the postseason as we speak tech has surrendered seven
0: runs to ablin christian they are starting to battle back into this game now divine on the mound he had a scoreless first outing he's now in a bit of trouble here in the fifth we'll see if he can get himself out of it but the reason why i mentioned the score is because this is the shit we saw this weekend that's going to start our next conversation Birdsell and Morris were phenomenal. Morris maybe had one of the greatest pitching performances in tech baseball history. His defense gave him absolutely no help and he managed to get a complete game out of it, albeit a shortened complete game, but a complete game nonetheless. Birdsell had one of the more dominant games I've ever seen, it was just e- e- excellent start to finish. Molina is your day 3 guy. Now I think that has to be true. Because Hampton was chased off the mound immediately in game one. Um, I, I'm not certain what the, the idea is with going to Hampton when he's been, frankly, bad his last several outings. But here's the problem. Because I think you've got three guys now. I think Molina's your third. You don't have Jack behind them. I mean, every, every pitcher we've seen out of the pen is throwing a 5-5-plus five, five ERA minimum. Molina's probably your third option. His ERA is pretty high, but he's starting to have some put together some really solid innings. He's pulled out of the West Virginia game. You then throw, and I apologize for people who might be upset by this, but a clown car of pitchers in the Sunday game, leading to that ninth inning in which all in which Tech is blown out of the game, ending it. I I, I don't have words for what happened in that ninth inning. I don't have words for all the runs these guys, everybody, like the five pitchers you threw between Hampton and all the guys who came up after Molina. All I know is Molina gave you, I think it was four innings of great pitching. You had five innings of pretty awful pitching and one inning of downright abysmal pitching. I don't know who your fourth guy is. I don't, and Jack is probably going to go on a tear about this. I don't know what we're doing anymore with, with recruiting pitchers. I, I don't know what we're doing. I, I, I'm willing to give Gardner a pass on years in which guys have just got hurt. Last year, you lost like three starter caliber arms. There was not a program on earth that could have survived that. But then you look at other years in which you lost one arm and it was a death kill. Where Caleb Killian turned out to be a stud. But if everybody recalls, that the ginger year, the year he goes down, pitching was short after just one arm. Geddy was fantastic. He with him and Killian, that might have been enough for Tech to potentially compete for the national title the year. That team was phenomenal. But again, you are one arm short year in year out. This year, you're only down. I think really one important arm. Becker's your only hurt arm, and you don't have a fourth guy. I think Divine right now may be number four, and that's not meant to be an insult to Divine. I think he's having his best year in a long time, but it's not great that the fourth guy is still in a little bit of uncertainty. He's in trouble right now. He's may get, he's maybe about to get himself out of it, but what I, I don't understand how a program that is regularly top 15 is struggling this hard to find pitching. I don't, I don't know who you turn to. I think you go to Molina for day three, you stick Hampton back in the pen and hope that wakes him up. Cause he's not pitching like a veteran. Um, I'm going to let Jack take it from here just because I, I, I think we're going to overlap some and I really want, jack to take the lead on this but I'll, I'll phrase this question is this fixable this year and and i'll, I'll let you take it from there where you want to go
2: there's not really a clear-cut answer to that um you know i want to be positive and say yeah you know someone could step up out of the pen and divine as we're talking andrew Devine just got out of that jam with a strikeout so I I mean, Andrew Devine, shit. I never, I mean, like we said, no insults meant, I never thought in my right mind that I'd be praying for Andrew Devine to come out of the bullpen, but right now that's where we are. Uh, Girton is out for the year. key is out for the year. Uh, these guys were definitely going to be probably your top two relievers coming into the year. They definitely had the most run from last year's squad. Uh, key has got, what I'm assuming is going to be Tommy John. So he's done for a while. Um, you know, Gerton, he's probably done until he's got some nerve, something going on or some tendonitis or something. And, you know, and he's done for the year, most likely. So, uh, you know, you're down two major arms. Uh, I, I believe that you're right. I think you, you have to go, you have to go to Molina. Uh, this is game three. Uh, at least this weekend in Waco, you you have to. Um, I just I can't. I I'm right there with you. I can't fathom how this team just doesn't have the arms. Um, you know, we talked about this hours ago. Um, there's a picture from Campbell University, Campbell the Campbell Camels who i believe they're they're located in like north carolina or south or somewhere out there if that's not right i'm sorry i didn't research it but they had a guy pitch tonight in their midweek who touched 97 on the gun and i think didn't i don't know if he gave up a run but it, it i mean he got the win easily went like 7 innings uh you know struck out 12 guys in a midweek and this this guy's not even good enough to throw in their weekend rotation. So you're telling me that Texas Tech can't recruit better than that? I don't buy that. Um, I don't buy that for a single second. Uh, I, you're only you're only you mentioned it about the ERA. You're only your only uh, relievers right now that are not hurt that have a sub five ERA are Andrew Devine and Derek Bridges. And after tonight, because Derek Bridges was the one that gave up that grand slam in the park grand slam, although. I don't think any of the runs on base were his, but the batter was. His ERA shot up a little bit, so uh, you know. I, I mean, we need to have this conversation, and I'll transition into this and kind of bring it around full circle. We need to start talking about what this team does in the postseason. Tech is Tech will get a they'll make the postseason. This isn't like, you know, we're in danger of missing the tournament or anything. It's nothing that serious. But to get, to win a regional, you have to win three games. Uh, You know, winning two games will put you in the championship little series of the regional. But you still have to win those games. And if you can't get any other pitching. I mean, we're now at the point where we're we're we have three starters and we're praying for all three to go the full nine because we can't get any any help from behind them. That is not ideal um so this is the this is the conversation we need to have. we need to start I'm not saying. That we're in doomsday panic mode. Because we're not. But. We need to look at the. Very real possibility. A. That tech doesn't host. Because. If you can't win a goddamn midweek game. We haven't won a midweek game in over a month. Let that. T- say those words out loud and let that register for a minute. We haven't won a midweek game in over a month. Also, you—I mean, other than Kansas State, I mean, I are—that was the only time we've won on a Sunday this year. I'm pretty sure. Uh, other than, or I don't know if that's other than like the Merrimack games, which those don't fucking count. So, like. We, you need to start having these real conversations with yourself. The sad thing is is that this team is more apt to win. I think they're more likely to win a Super Regional than they are a Regional. Just because the Super Regional is just straight up best of three, play three days, and go after it. And, with, and if Morris and Birdsell keep pitching the way they are, I don't think I have a... If we somehow make a Super Regional, I would probably pick us to win it, just based on the way those two are pitching. But Right now, we have to get there first. And, you know, if we're seeing what we're seeing happen, Tech gave up seven runs in the second inning tonight. Um, I think Andrew Devine's probably been the best-looking one out of the pen, maybe Bridges, but we already knew those two guys were good. So we need those guys that continue stepping up to step up and play or cu- be well out of the pen, be reliable because right now I am at the point where in our three game weekend series, I'm praying for all three starters to go nine innings because I don't want the bullpen anywhere near it because no lead is safe right now. When you get into that bullpen, to be quite honest no lead is safe and this is what this is the conversation that needs to be had we need to focus on well we'll make the posties but once we get there we got to find out how we're going to get through the regional to get to the supers because like i said i think the supers format suits us very well but I'm i if we if this keeps happening the way this is going, I'm very skeptical, not just about hosting. i think I think that you know i don't I think if you don't sweep this weekend, I th- almost think you can kind of kiss hosting goodbye. Baylor's not good this year. They're very bad. And they just got swept by I think a combined score of like forty nine to fourteen in three games against Texas. So if you can't do that to them also, I mean, we can kiss hosting goodbye. But we need to focus on how what regional will get and how we get through it. The first two games are not worried about. It's the third and the fourth that worry me deeply.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just part of... The, the 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 thing about baseball is it always 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 comes down to pitching there, there's no way around it we are now in a position as a program that the expectation is to make the postseason the expectation is to be a competitor in the postseason there it, it's no longer and this is something i i know it's a case of being spoiled But when people are just like you know five years ago six years ago whatever tech used to be terrible i don't care anymore because you haven't been under Tadlock since his first season. It, the program needs to be taking steps forward. You're just treading water right now. You have been for, you know, the last last year was another example. You're in the same boat as you were last year in which your starting staff was decimated by injuries. That's how bad the situation is. Last year I think you lost four guys your top reliever, two of your best starters. I mean, it was unbelievable the luck you had. You are in a, a, the exact same situation a year later. And it's now almost entirely of your own making. Yeah, injuries suck, but you haven't lost a starter. You just didn't have a day three starter. Going into this year, we had no idea who was going to be the day three starter if once Becker went down. And that was one injury. You lost your, your, your day, the guy who you kind of hoped to turn into your day three starter after one injury and had nobody to backfill. It's taken, what are we up to? 43 games to figure out that Molina's the guy? Which brings us to the next problem. This is coaching. Your pitching coach is responsible for this. Gardner is responsible for this. Tadlock is responsible for Gardner. Tadlock's a fantastic coach. He's recruited well at every other position, but the guy who's responsible for building his pitching staff is clearly not getting it done. Look, I know tech baseball players love the guy, but at the end of the day, we're too good of a program now for this to keep happening. We're getting out recruited on on the mound by a, a Texas program that spent years in the desert. It took one good season One mediocre season for Texas to find the arms to rebuild itself. Now, look, that is a blue-bud program. Nobody ever thought in baseball they'd stay down for long, but Tech, with all the advantages in the world, hasn't been able to cobble cobble together a a weekend stack to compete with those guys. You beat them this year because you just shelled them. You just shelled them. That's what it turned into. The only reason we won
2: that series is because their bullpen just happened to be worse than ours that weekend. Which,
0: by the way, in, in, in... I'm glad you beat Texas, but shit, I don't think you win many games of lock-off grand slams and stealing home. If, if we're talking about where we are, I mean, l- let's put it this way. The only bullpen maybe worse than yours is Oklahoma's, right? Oklahoma's been horrible in baseball the last few years. They've had multiple guys who, you know, were looking at the MLB and they were still terrible. This year their bullpen may honestly be the only one worse than yours. One program is battling to just make the postseason. One is expecting to make the super. One is expecting to host a super year in, year out. That that it look, catalog's never gonna fire Gardner. We know that. We people have been upset with the pitching situation for years. It's not gonna happen. And not all of it's his fault. You've had seasons in which the guys were there and injuries caught you. But it's we're out of the excuses for this. We're, I think just,
2: the, I it, think the injury card is also a little skewed don't act like texas like for those of you oh well you know we're just really unlucky with pitching injuries how is it that almost every year we have a significant pitching injury at what point do people start looking around and being like huh you know maybe maybe this guy doesn't need his arm slot altered you know maybe there's a reason that he got recruited to tech and maybe you don't need to push his arm up or down. Maybe the arm slot he's throwing in right now is just fine, and it's what got him here. You know, and- I'm sorry, but if these guys keep getting hurt because that they're trying to mess with their pitching motion and their arm slot release, we need to start having bigger conversations. Because, right. I mean, and, and, and all that, where I was trying to go with this is, spare me the injury card, because Tech isn't the only team in the country that gets injuries, and that's well, been very apparent. the
0: injury thing to me is it's one thing when I, I think last year is I think last year is one of the worst injury situations I've ever seen. I think you lost literally half your staff. You're not going to survive that. But here's the problem: when you lose a starter, which is what Tech did, and a reliever, all right, you're gonna you're you're gonna be a little shakier in day three. Great, you shouldn't only have three guys. That's the problem. Your midweek is the problem because that's who you're counting on to be bullpen later in the year. The guys you would start during the midweek are the guys you're hoping are your bullpen down the line. These are the guys that you're praying can do something. Your relievers on the weekend should be the guys that you're hoping to step into the starting role when somebody goes down. And other than Molina, it's been fucking awful. I mean, Devine's been your second, your best bet. And let's go back to the New Mexico series. He's pulled after an inning in a game you had to win, and you choke it away because the rest of the staff gets hammered. Which brings me to the last point of the night that I want to end on, and it's just going to be an open question to the viewers. At, we've talked about recruiting. We've talked about injuries. We've talked about bad luck. But at what point do we start blaming coaching for the, the pitching management? And when you, when you as a, as a listener, as a fan, look at how Tech has handled this situation, can you give Tadlock and Gardner anything other than a D-minus at best? Because that's where I'm at. I'm looking at a pitching management situation that has been unacceptable from the jump. You know, they botched this to hell. Like I said, it's been 43 games to figure out that Molina was the guy for day three. 43. And we don't know he's going to start next week. We don't know that for certain. We could see Hampton's ass back out there, even though it took an inning for West Virginia to run him off the mound. And he's got like a 6'5 ERA now. So I'm going to end this show with that question just open-ended to the viewers. When you look at not just the recruiting, which everybody's got mixed opinions on, when not just the injuries in which are, you can argue bad luck, arm angle, whatever you blame, not, when you take the totality of that out of the question and you just look at the calls Tadlock and Gardner have made, can the argument be made that Matt Gardner continues to make the wrong call with his pitchers? And at what point does a program as good as Tech need to go elsewhere for pitching coaching? I hate to close on a negative note, but with baseball looking ahead to Baylor, um, I don't want to dig too deep into the Bears because we, honest to God, if we if we lose to Baylor, I'm going to be too depressed to talk about it. I think Jack mentions it's just not a good baseball club. Got hammered by Texas, and it would make me very very sad if we if we have to lose even a game there. So I'm gonna I'm gonna close this here at an hour. We went over last week, so I'm trying to make up for that for everybody. But um, thank you for listening. You know, draw your own conclusions to the baseball pro- program. You're still top ten somehow. Um, maybe you close out and manage to get this season back on track. But at some point, there are questions that have got to be addressed by a program that's been to Omaha as many times as Tech has. Let's talk about it um, as we go throughout the season. Talk to us on Twitter. Look for articles on the basketball recruiting front. Pay attention. Kendall, I'm sure, will have some articles out about what's coming up. Um, there's been, uh, There's still guys on the t- radar. And, you know, enjoy the rest of your night or whenever you listen to this. We're going to finish up this Texas Tech game and hope we can get back in it against ACU. Have a good one, Reckham.